This is the daily lectionary comments for September the 15th. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah begins his reforms and finds a book in Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. We look at human traditions uh, and the circumcision of Christ and things that are shadows as opposed to things that are the substance. Second Chronicles chapter 34, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. So his father was assassinated and uh, Josiah was elevated to the throne by acclamation of the people. He reigned for 31 years and it says here, uh, verse uh, three, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Now that means he was about 16. And he began to become very religious and very pious. Verse 2 says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. So you see that the kings of the north always, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And usually it was he walked or continued in the sin of Jeroboam, uh, the the rival system of of religion and, and worship and so forth. So if you were a bad king in the north, they were all bad because they all followed along Jeroboam. Some of them were worse, like Ahab, who also worshipped Baal. But in the southern kingdom, in Judah, the kings were good or bad. They, they, they either were, did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not walk in the ways of David their father, or uh, uh, that um, they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David. But David's the standard. Okay, Remember, he's the man after God's own heart. Now, Josiah had set up or had, had, had been engaged in uh, some building and, and uh, rebuilding and refurbishing of the temple. And during the process of refurbishing the temple, uh, the workmen found um, a book. And it turns out that this book was the law of Moses that was brought to him. And I'm gonna come back to that in just a second, but note that the text points out uh, that in, in soliciting funds for the refurbishment of the temple, it talked about the remnant of those who were in Israel and those who were in Judah. So, uh, you know, although Israel, the, the 10 tribes that had rebelled against, against the house of David, uh, the, the kingdom itself had rebelled. Most of the people had rebelled, but not all of them. There were adherents to, to the, the Lord in the north. And some of them migrated south into Judah, and many of them uh, remained in, in, uh, in the north and continued to fight the good fight. Remember, there were prophets of the Lord up there, uh, and, uh, as well as, as faithful uh, uh, individuals. So anyway, we, we now have this idea that in the north and in the south, there are the faithful remnant. And uh, in times to come, that remnant is going to be more sharply defined. Well, anyway, Josiah gets this book. And uh, he has it read to him, and as, as he's having, as it's being read to him, he realizes what this is. It says he tears his garment. That is um, a symbol, a symbolic act of grief and mourning, because he realizes that uh, he is listening to the words of Scripture being read to him, but the people have not been following this at all. Now, I want you to think about this. This tells us a lot about the state of of uh, piety, of religion in Judah at that time. It also shows you how very different certain things were. We think right away when we think of church 
and 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 our Christian faith, we think of Scripture. Even when you think of Judaism, you think of Scripture. But at that time, uh, the the focus of religious practice was not Scripture. It was not a Bible in every home. There weren't synagogues yet. Um, the, the focus of practice was in the temple and the priests and the Levites. And the Scripture really was the domain of the priests and the Levites. And you can imagine that the priests and the Levites had duties in the temple, sacrifices to offer and various ceremonies and things that had to be done. And you could imagine that the procedures and the laws relating to these things that would be done, uh, you know, would have been lifted from the scripture and, and, and sort of made readily available to the priests and the Levites for their duties, plus additional duties that they would have. And that the scripture itself uh, it's, it's evident it just became less and less of a focus or even referenced to the point where it had more or less become lost. So this thing is brought and immediately, immediately Josiah realizes just how far the people have drifted from where Moses was. He, he uh, uh, immediately begins uh, uh, a, a restoration uh, according to the law of Moses. He goes to see a prophetess, Huldah, which is kind of interesting because just as um, with Hezekiah, the, the, the primary prophet that's associated with Hezekiah was Isaiah. And, and with, uh, with Josiah, the primary prophet associated with him is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was already active at the time that this happened. But, so we don't know why. We don't know whether he was out of town or what. But anyway, he goes to see Huldah, a prophetess, and uh, she essentially uh, relates from the Lord to Josiah um, that the disaster that's coming upon this nation. Remember, the north is already gone. North is already destroyed. So he pronounces disaster upon this temple and upon these people because they have so thoroughly abandoned him. However, the Lord also commends Josiah for his pure heart and uh, promises that these things will not happen to Judah in his day. He will die first, be gathered to his fathers, it said. But this disaster is coming. So we are set up for what's going to happen next. Now, Josiah doesn't give up. Uh, he takes this book, uh, and he begins to get very, very serious about restoring the practice of, of uh, the laws of Moses. Uh, and we will start reading about that tomorrow. Okay, our reading in Colossians chapter 2 uh, is, uh, is very interesting. Paul is going to spend a lot of time in this passage discussing uh, outward acts and ceremonies, religious outward acts and ceremonies, and he's going to comment uh, on them. There are two kinds of, of religious outward acts and ceremonies. There are those that actually come from God himself, ceremonies and acts and festivals and so forth that God himself has ordained. And then there are those who are made up by human beings out of whole cloth. He deals with that kind first, uh, and he warns Christians not to be taken captive by these things, um, by uh, empty deceit and human tradition and the elemental spirits of the world. Um, later on, he'll characterize it as, as basic commandments not to touch um, and not to taste, um, uh, you know, that, 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 that sort of thing. Um, what he's really talking about here, these elemental spirits, these human traditions, 
he's talking about things that have the appearance of spirituality, the appearance of wisdom. They, they look like they, they, they connote some great mystic thing. Like you could imagine a witch doctor doing the little thing, you know, and somehow or another they see, they, they want to give the impression that they're tapped into the spirit of the trees or whatnot like that. But Paul deals with it more like we might deal with some of the superstitions that little boys do. You know, think of Tom Sawyer and all the little superstitious rites that he and his friends would go through to, you know, ward off uh, evil spirits or, or, you know, dead cats in the, in the cemetery or warding off Indians or, or whatnot. We, we would call them superstitions. And basically he treats these traditions and ceremonies of human origin and human tradition are attempts to look spiritual and look meaningful, but in the end, they're empty. They're, they're nothing more than, than um, uh, superstition. But not all ceremonies and not all sacred acts are made up by human beings and are devoid of, of any divine origin. So, for example, uh, Paul will talk about circumcision. He will also talk about uh, uh, various uh, requirements regarding food and drink. Uh, new moon, uh, certain festivals, a new moon, and the Sabbath day. These all have an origin in the law of Moses. So he's going to talk about these. First off, circumcision has its origin in the law of Moses. God himself commanded it and gave it a significance. It was a sign that you belonged to the covenant uh, that God made with his people through Moses. Now, Paul says that we have now a circumcision of Christ. This, he says, is baptism. Baptism is the seal that says that you are part of the new covenant uh, that God has made with the people uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what baptism does as a circumcision of the heart is it joins you with Christ so that you are buried with him and raised with him and you come to life with him because he gives you his Holy Spirit through this and, and uh, through baptism, you become a Christian. You belong to Christ. Your sins are washed away. And so uh, the, the outward act of circumcision is no longer important, but the circumcision of the heart, the circumcision of Christ is, it is an act. It is a ceremonial act, a ceremonial act with profound implications for our relationship to Christ. It joins us to him. It joins, it makes our destiny what his destiny was, death to sin and resurrection to life. Then he also talks about other ceremonies that, uh, uh, that were of divine origin in, in the Old Covenant. Um, the various kosher laws and things relating to, to drinking, for example, um, and libations, uh, and pouring out in sacrifice, also festivals like uh, Passover and, uh, and uh, booths and so on like that. And uh, the new moon festival every month, and uh, and of course every week the Sabbath day. And he says, don't let anybody pass judgment on you with respect to these. These are of divine origin, so we don't just call them superstition and we don't say they're nothing. And of course, many of these early Christians were Jews. They've been raised with these festivals, these acts. And Paul says, look, if you want to continue to do them, do them. Don't let anybody tell you that, uh, you know, pass judgment on you because you, you still celebrate these things. If you are a Gentile and don't want to celebrate these things, don't let anybody pass any judgment on you with regard to any of these things, new moon or Sabbath day or anything. They are of divine origin. They are not mandated in the new covenant. This is what he says, which is this key of, of importance for us. He gives us their real significance. He said, these 
are a shadow of the things which were to come, okay? They foreshadowed the reality, and the reality is Christ. And so he gives a good reason not to celebrate these things because we have the real thing. We don't need the foreshadowings of it. Um, now that we have the real thing, we may lay aside the foreshadowings is no longer necessary. On the other hand, if you wanted to continue to celebrate the foreshadowings, they do have uh, some reality in them. This is the reality is Christ, and you have Christ already in spades. So, um, but anyway, he says, whether you celebrate these things or not, uh, the, the truth of the matter is they are of divine origin, uh, but, but their significance is that they point to Christ, and we have Christ already uh, in our baptism and in our daily life and in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so much for Col uh, Colossians chapter 2.